podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Hello and welcome to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Hey, Pod two eighty six, uh, sponsored by Vector Printing for your printing and embroidery needs. Go to vector.co.uk. It's Vector with a K and JCIS. The glo- no, a lie. And JC and Associates. Uh, visit jcassociateslondon.com. I will. And we have got a brand new sponsor for this week's pod. Oh, nice. Uh, so we got uh, Travis. And Selzy, how you doing? Good, 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 good. good. Now, you. lads, would you put your mortgage on Luca scoring a penalty? Probably would. Absolutely. Yeah. Of course definitely. we would. Uh, and did you know, I like that. Well, nearly. Well, <laughs> I would definitely put my mortgage on it. Uh, and you can, if you want, get everything you need for every aspect of your mortgage from a palace-run company called Eternity Home Finance. They're Croydon-based, family-run, providing a free consultation on anything such as first-time buyers, buying a new home, debt consolidation, building a buy-to-let portfolio, and retirement mortgages. Visit eternityhomefinance.com or ring 0330-133-0709. And there are new sponsors for the last few pods of the season, and they're run by Palace fans. So welcome aboard. Pack of stuff. Welcome, man. Thank you. Uh, Now, speaking of Lucas scoring penalties... He did just that on Saturday, Selzy, to confirm a 1-0 win at Newcastle. Uh, and I'm going to ask you a very loaded question to start with, because now with 39 points and five games remaining, are we safe? No, not until it's, uh, <laughs> not until it's mathematically impossible. Are we safe? But do I think we'll be relegated? No. But uh, do I take anything for granted? No, I mean, 39 before Saturday was the figure that was in my mind to give us sort of relative safety because Cardiff, uh, the team are now, what, 11 points behind us on 28. Mm-hmm. But there were a few games that are winnable in, in you know, for a team at the bottom, i.e. Burnley and uh, a few others. I think they've, they've got some very big games. I think yeah. they've got Fulham and... Burnley and they've got us to play of course as well so I didn't really want to go there We were working it out after the game on Saturday weren't we on the train back and actually we worked out that they could still possibly get enough points to catch up with us obviously we'd need to have a terrible run towards the end of the season but actually those games coming up they're not unwinnable for a team that is you know in that fight against relegation Yeah 
bit of final push. What do you think, Trav? I don't think they'll do it to be honest, Cardiff. I can't, no. can't see it happening. I think we're safe. I think we're fine. I'm now just excited, kind of just thinking, do you know what? We, could, we can all, all relax now, I think. All relax. We've done the job against the team that um, we were, you know, fighting against for a lot of the game the other day. Um, managed to nick it in the end. Um, it was a clean sheet. It's one of those games that you kind of look at again, like we mentioned a couple of weeks um, when it, I think it was Burnley three no away, and just thinking it was quite a professional performance in mm. the way that we did it. We managed to hold on. Um, Kelly put in a good shift, and uh, it was just nice to see us win, win the game one nil, not concede, and then come out and have the have the points that we need to. I think make us one hundred percent safe. <laughs> oh, he's gone there. He's gone actually there. Gone, gone there. there. I've gone there. Well, I mean, we should point out as well. I mean, Selzy, we were at the game, and uh, it was a professional performance. Travis is right. There will be some people listening who might feel maybe we were a bit lucky in the sense that Newcastle had a lot more shots from goal than mm-hmm. us. Um, and we were more clinical, as we have been away from home. And as we said on the post-match pod, if you're a Newcastle fan doing a pod now, you're probably saying we were unlucky. Mm-hmm. Well, sorry, we were uh, yeah unlucky to lose that game. Um, I personally felt with Roy, we're always in games. You always give yourself a chance. And with players like Wilf and then Luca on the spot kick, you've got a great chance of winning games. But it's fair to say Palace didn't, they didn't dominate, did they? No. If I was a Newcastle fan, as I said to you after the game on Saturday, I'd be disappointed to be beaten I would have thought minimum that they were worth the point it was a tight game uh, as as it generally is under under Roy really you know we've not been beaten by greater than a two goal margin by anybody this season and we are always always competitive you know some people can argue you know too defensively and you know I I can understand that to a point, although statistically those things don't necessarily match up. But being defensively sound is is the platform for winning football matches. And when you've got Wilfred Zaha and you're defensively sound and you can get him the ball and he was in the form that he was in on Saturday where some of the things he, he did were absolutely breathtaking at times, then I think you've always got a chance of winning football matches and that's exactly what we did. Yeah, and um, and Wilf Travis was unreal. I mean, yeah. there's a little clip going around Twitter, I think, from Palace's official TV platform of some of the skills he was doing on Saturday were just unbelievable. He really was back to his best. But there's games he's, I've seen at home this season where he's almost trying to force it, and it feels in the recent weeks that that kind of trying to force it's gone a little bit. The, the timing just to drop the shoulder has come back just about, and he's getting into those positions, and he's won a few penalties in the last few weeks again. He's getting into those positions. It's nice to see him drifting a little bit further wide again, although, you know, he is still playing, being played quite centrally. But, yeah, it's nice to see him up there. And like Selzy said, when you've got a defensive team and you've got the likes of Batshuayi, you've got the likes of Zaha, you've got the likes of Townsend, you can almost give them free roam because, you know, once you give them the ball, this and there's one that Benteke could have, sure, should have put away where Andros has just chipped over. And you know that you know if you give those players the ball on the break, then they're going to do it. And we are slightly devastating when we want to be sometimes. But, you know, it comes back to the other thing of not being clinical enough. And, you know, if we are defensively sound, and like Selzy said, not being beaten by more than two goals for the whole of this season, then surely sticking the ball in the back of the net and just being slightly more clinical, you, you don't know what, what could happen. There could have been a few other games that could have gone very differently this season. Well, I think that is telling, you know, the fact that we haven't been beaten by more than two goals, I think tells you almost everything you need to know about this Roy Hodgson team, that we are always in games. Well, we're well organised and 
I've said to you so many times, I'm like a scratch record, and people sort of say to me, oh, stats, stats, you're quoting stats and stuff. They are the facts. That's what we have to base our yeah. thought process on. And I think I said to you after the game when we were talking on Saturday, Batshuayi two goals, AU one goal, no goals Benteke, no goals Wickham, Alexander Serlot, our survey said, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it, it is, that's that's the problem. I, I've, I was doing a little bit of, uh, a little bit of work on Sunday, just having a look at some of the, the games that I did before. And, and it always comes back to the same thing. If we're a little bit more clinical, we'd be in such a better place. I mean, I don't think there's a lot wrong and it is a case of, you know, taking our chances. I, I, I said to you that I, I'm struggling a little bit with the the fact that some people are bored or they find it unentertaining. When we're talking about Wilfred Zaha, he's entertainment on his own. Forget the rest <laughs> of the game. I mean, yeah. he, he on Saturday he's receiving the ball with such an air of relaxed confidence, almost like and he was swagger. receiving it yeah. exactly. With a you, you're not even going to get it off me. Mm. You know, give me the ball because they're just not going. They're not going to get it off me. And he, he floated around the pitch and went past people like they weren't there. And there was that, that bit in the first half where he was in the corner or the edge of the box and he, he was almost like he was rubber. He was kind of bending and twisting and he, he lost it and got it and lost it and got it back again. And he was just... I, I don't know. He's a very unusual footballer almost like a, a playground footballer in a sense with all his tricks and his skills or street footballer, whatever you want to call it. And he's probably, that's what makes him so exciting because he just does things that other players don't do. And I'd, I've said before, you wouldn't get me to sell him for £150 million, honestly, because I think he is, and, and I know Palace fans, I read this stuff about, oh, we're over-reliant on Wilf. Everyone's going to be over reliant on somebody who's special. Yeah. Real, Mad yeah. Real, Real Madrid, as well, to be honest. Real yeah, Madrid, exactly. you know, the biggest club in the world, were over reliant on Cristiano Ronaldo. Well, Messi, <laughs> Messi's been saving Barcelona <laughs> yeah. last few weeks. Hasn't well, he? but this is my point. I mean, Real Madrid haven't had such a good season without him or in yeah. Europe for the yeah. first time. Yeah, and they won the competition three mm. years on the trot with him. And I think it's because he's that influential. He's irreplaceable and he's that difference again so and I do think Wilfred is our Ronaldo or Messi and and I don't think I can't even think of another player that's even like him that's the thing what in the Premier yeah. League yeah well it was a bit like it was a bit like Ian Wright he was a, a non-league player it was a bit before you I know JD to a point and certainly you Trav but <laughs> he was like this he, he didn't have the trickery that 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 Wilfred's got but we when Steve Copper was in charge, we played a sort of very direct game and it was almost like, be hard to beat, be workman-like, get the ball up to Mark Bright and Ian Wright will then get the ball in the opposition's half and Ian Wright will turn it into a chance yeah, or yeah. a goal. Yeah. And again, like Wilfred, he used to do... He's a different player to Wilfred. He's a str an out-and-out striker. But he used to do things that you didn't expect yeah. players to do. He would shoot when he should cross and occasionally he'd drive you mad, especially at a young age. He seemed to, to spend a lot of the time sitting on his ass, you know, where he'd be flying around. And But you could see there was this sort of raw talent that, again, almost a street footballer 
in that way. And it was, uh, and I think it's similar with Wilfred. And I think, to a degree, our fans kind of identify with these local boys from South London that are street footballers almost more than yeah. anything else, you know. And it's and it's great to see. I mean, he is just so special. And I, uh, the long, it was nice to hear him talking so positively on Monday about being at the club and smile all that on his sort face of stuff, as well, yeah. you know. And long may it continue. Yeah, he was special. And I guess, Travis, performances of his on Saturday, mm-hmm. he's obviously not going to hit those heights every game. Like, just the nature of football, the nature of the way teams set up against him and sometimes try and nullify him. And there are going to be weeks where he floats in and out of games and isn't as effective. But those performances from Saturday are a reminder of just why he is so special for us and why we do need to be building the team around him. And, yeah, well, we we do. And it's, it's, it's not really nice to see his... Um, his confidence back after that what was it seventeen games where he didn't score, and yeah he's come back and he scored a few more. And like you said, it just like you can just see a bit of a weight off the shoulders now. Um, I think the the whole team will have a little bit of a weight off their shoulders as well because of the the, the points we've currently got, and it would be nice to just to see him just play with absolute freedom for the, the remaining games of the season, and then hopefully keep that up, net a few more goals. You know, after you say he still wants to be at the club and he can't see himself anywhere else at the moment. See what the future holds. Mm. Uh, it would be really nice to see him there next season. I just, I think it's even more imperative that we build the team around him, more so than we do around around a striker or anything. He's got to be built. Yeah, it, well, we are Mr. Wolf with Zaha, aren't we? Obviously, got Crystal Palace, and uh, yeah, I've just got all the love in the world for the guy. Same, and, that smile and, and he face. is Mr. Crystal Palace yeah. as well. Um, obviously, he won the penalty on Saturday. I'm not even going to ask you guys if, if it was a penalty or not because it was a stone. It was a stone wall penalty. In fact, he even rode one challenge on the edge of the box that mm. could have been a penalty slash free kick to win the spot kick and there was no complaints from, from any of the Newcastle players or fans. Lucas steps up, scores his 10th goal yep. of the season, I believe, which makes it 19-21 in 21 for him from the spot kick since joining Palace, which puts him one behind the Premier League's uh, most in a season tally for penalties, which of course is... AJ. Mr Andy Johnson. With so how many was that? Did you 11. say... 11. 11 in 2004-2005, so Lucas right. one behind... Very good chance that he could we'll keep Wilfred Zaha on the pitch. He's bound to get a couple more points exactly. at the end of the season. Yeah. And we've had a few questions regarding Luca's um, spot kick antics from Jason Babin. Hiya, Jason. Who says, does Luca crap diamonds? Not quite sure what that means, <laughs> but he goes on to say, that dude is better under, under pressure. Never seen a better spot kick specialist in my life. Is that some sort of crapping diamonds, some sort of reference to being under pressure or something? I, don't I think it just means that he's uh, a bit special, I guess. <laughs> okay. In a situation I've never heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like almost like a yes. new chant coming on yes. about Luca crapping diamonds. Um, he is he is unreal. And in fact, I'm going to chuck in another question. Jeff Hemelet. Hi, Jeff. Hemelt, sorry, Jeff. Says, uh, can Luca break the single season penalties record? Well, he's not far behind. And who would you prefer he scored it against? <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't Man, really matter, does it? Well, I was going to say Man City, but he yeah. scored up there, didn't he? And put the because Edison was one of the both the keepers that have saved from Luca were Edison and Pickford since yeah. he's been here, and they're both with their feet, I think, as they were going the other going way. The other way yeah. yeah, so you know, even then, you could argue he's he's been a little bit unlucky. So I would have said Man City, uh, but he seems to have already laid that ghost, so we haven't even got to worry about that one too much. But it is. Well, we've got Everton coming up, haven't we? Yes, it's, yeah, that's true. So maybe that's the one. Yeah. Um, but he's sure-footed. He's very cool. You know, and these are great qualities in players. And, you know, 
there's been some great penalty takers over the years. Matt Letizia, I think, only missed once. Mm-hmm. Mark Crossley saved from him, was the only keeper ever to save from uh, Matt Letizia, I believe. No, and Baines has been good in, yeah. in recent Baines, years. Yeah. And before your time, uh, again, listeners of a certain age will recall that West Ham used to have a Scottish fullback called Ray Stewart that came from Dundee United, yeah. who used to hammer penalties. I mean, literally just smash the net off, and he never used to miss. He just used to put his head down and drill it at the goal. Didn't and, Julian uh, Dix used to do that? Yeah, as well, he was West pretty Ham. good as well. But this Ray Stewart was pretty uh, pretty lethal as a kid growing up. I remember. Yeah, you know, if it was a penalty, it was a goal if Ray Stewart was taking it. But, but that's kind of what it is with Luca. No, yeah, yeah we, we are we are very confident with him because you know that. That's a that's a gift as well. You know, you talk about footballers, and Travier was obviously a talented young player. But you know, one thing I recognise in in players and working in the football business is the temperament is something that they have that you can't give to anybody. That is a natural gift, and Luca's ability to to not feel that tension or nervousness and have that complete confidence and sure-footedness if you like in those situations is a real you know testament to him and he's been a fantastic signing for Crystal Palace since he's been I think it was Luca who when he turned up for most of us but well first of all it was Luca Milovijevic or whatever <laughs> yeah, until we until we got to the <laughs> Milovojevic correct pronunciation but yeah it was exactly that wasn't it and, you know, he's been an absolutely fantastic signing. And there, there has been times this season that we've thinking, in terms of just general play, he's not been the same player without Kabai next to him. Mm-hmm. And admittedly, he hasn't. And I don't think he's been the, the same dominant force on the pitch in terms of, like, no one's getting past me, like a Yedinak was. But then it gets to this season, and if you're getting someone that can put the ball down on the spot and give you 10 goals a season, it's like having a striker that doesn't really offer you much but will always pop up and nod one in. Mm. And you kind of... It, He's he's given something else to his game this season. He's offered us a lot more, in in yeah, not just being but NFC's captain, Mister Leader. Yeah. When Sacco isn't there, he he can stick it on and do the job, and yeah, confidence. What was it? Diamonds. <laughs> I think I think you're talking about. I think that's, that's definitely going to be the title of this this episode of the yeah, podcast. Yeah, I think so. You might have to put some stars in that. <laughs> but the put some diamonds in it. Asterisk, asterisk, diamonds. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I, I, partnerships are quite interesting. Because you think about forward players yeah. in that sense. I'm sure that, for instance, Christian Benteke would benefit from playing next to Batshuayi. And likewise, you know, but in forward areas, it's very difficult now to play two up. Not yeah. many teams do it. But you can see, you're talking about combinations and players complement each other. Yeah, And that's the hardest thing now for centre forwards is that you used to have a Mark Bright that could hold it up and yeah. was good in the air mm-hmm. and clever. And Ian Wright, who was like a whippet, quick and lively and bright and off the cuff, you know. So it made the perfect combination in many ways. You just now, you have to be all of those things to be a top striker. And it's yeah. become, you it's, almost it's have to be the complete yeah. centre forward. And probably from our from our personnel at the moment, Connor Wickham is probably the most complete of our centre yeah. forwards in terms of size physicality, pace, you know, he's probably got the most of all the attributes, but, you know, trying... He doesn't have his match fitness. No, I was going to say, we don't see see his pace, physicality or power too much because, you know, he's he's been so, uh, such a hard time and so unlucky with injuries. But, But also, you know, talking about complete forwards, if you look down the Premier League, you know, top six to bottom six, how many complete forwards are there? 
apart from Harry well, Kane and Sergio Aguero, well, there, aren't, there aren't there aren't there, there aren't, aren't people that commodity. score goals, and that's been our problem. And probably, I'm thinking outside of the top six, what Callum Wilson would probably be the next most prolific goal scorer in the Premier League, would he this season? Jimenez scored even tell scored, you. A, scored a few for Wolves. Yes, yeah. Glenn I mean, Murray, of course, had a good run earlier in yeah. the season, but. But there's not, there's not many that, that no, score not many. goals. It's interesting because when I was looking at the statistics, and I'm sure we'll, you'll ask me questions later on about uh, you know the fans and what they're saying, but just to say to you at this point that 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 we are you know quite there's quite a deficit or gap between our attempts at the goal and our attempts on target, and obviously the number of goals we've scored, and I've maintained all season that. We are creating opportunities, and we have been, you know, just profligate in front of the goal. And I think mm. it's the big difference. And like we say, two one zero 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 for our five strikers in terms of the goals scored tells Telling, its yeah. own story, really. Agreed. It? And just on that, um, Trav, I've got a question mm. from Farmer Giles. Hi, Farmer Giles. Last question. I'm not sure that's his real name. <laughs> it might be. Yes. We don't know. You it can get be. some proper cream for that and stuff. <laughs> anyway, Farmer Giles. Because, anyway. Uh, and your soul normally does the trick, I think. Other brands are available at all good high street chemists. Oh, we are looking for more sponsors. Boots. No, we're not. Um, <laughs> but he says, and it's the last thing on, on the penalties, Trav. Just says, do we rely too much on winning penalties at the expense of trying to bang one in naturally? Uh, I'm sure Palace don't do it intentionally at the expense of trying to bang one in naturally. We've heard from Selzy on the stats there, but can. Can you be too reliant on penalties, or is it just something that happens in games when you've got these kind of players and you need to make the most of it? Like so as you said earlier, we we do create opportunities, so I don't think we are reliant. I think a team that creates as many opportunities as we create and can be in and around the box and have dangerous players that makes you naturally win penalties. So it's not like you're going out to win the penalty. I just think the fact that we do have that attacking flair and and are quite dangerous and do create quite a lot of opportunities, it that naturally lends itself to to winning a few penalties every now and again. And I know yeah. we do win an awful lot, but when you've got a player like Wilfred Zaha in the box, you're going to. But it's, that's never going to be the game plan, is it, obviously? No, <laughs> no, exactly. But, but Townsend, Townsend, Wilf and Batshuayi have all got a trick. They can all twist and turn and wriggle around. They're going to get fouled because mm. of their very nature. That's why we, you know, we were talking about on Saturday and I, you know, I read one comment saying, when are the penalties? You know, What happens when the penalties dry up? Well, they don't just dry up if you've got players driving at, at the opposition yeah. that at speed that have got ability, you know, and as Travis said, it's a natural outcome from getting those players on the ball in the opposition's penalty box because they can't touch them then. And when you've got players that break on the way that we do, it's like the way we won the penalty on the weekend because yeah. you go on the break and pen- defenders are panicking and suddenly you've got three, three people in the box and it's like, yeah, someone puts a leg out, one's over, penalty. And we'd all like, you know, as fans, we'd all love to see games at Palace win 3 4 nil, and they're banging them in from crosses and shots. Oh, we have done. We well, have I'm done not a couple saying, of times. Like, I'm really satisfied with us just getting penalties every week. But this is a hard league, you know, and yes, we create chances, but it doesn't guarantee goals. And when you, if you can make the most of players like Wilf and Andros, who's won a few penalties this season as well, and someone as cool as Luca, no, I've got absolutely no problem with it. I'm not saying that. I want Palace to win 1-0 every week. Well, actually, I do. I'd love Palace to win 1-0 every week. Then we'd be champions. But I'm not saying, you know, I don't want to see us score more goals from different angles. But if this is how we make uh, games into into wins and points, then so be it. I I thought at the end of last season, when we did a few post-match podcasts, you know, the Brighton first half, 
the Leicester game, the West Brom game, we were playing champagne football, really, yeah. for us in the Premier League, scoring goals freely. There were, what, 10 goals in those three last home games. Yeah. You know, we we looked a really, really good side. Well, we had, obviously, Ruben Loftus-Cheek and Johan Kabay, as Trav yeah. was talking about there. You know, it does make a difference, the personnel, of course. And... But again, that that shows to me that we're perfectly capable yeah. under this manager of scoring goals and creating lots of opportunities, providing we've got someone that can be ruthless in front of the goal. But even it? without combining Loftus Cheek, has it made that much of a a difference? Really, I still see us creating as much as we did, yeah. just in different in different well, ways. Well, again, yeah. statistically, that that that's a fact. You know, last season we created. The seven, we had the seventh most goal attempts in the Premier League, which was the highest we've ever achieved under any manager in the Premier League over the seasons. Yeah. And this year, we are seventh again. Wow. Which is, you know... And you, I mean, that's, you, that's kind of almost a surprise, Yeah, in a way. Well, we're not, I, I thought perhaps I'm going a little bit mad here because, you know, I'm reading people saying it's unenjoyable, it's boring and... You know, this is not a good time, and Roy's got to go, and all that sort of stuff. We are, we are, we've had the seventh most attempts at goal in the Premier League, and I think you can guess who the other six clubs are gonna, in yeah. front of us. Without top having six, to, I'm to, guessing. Yeah, yeah right. and, and just to and, confirm it, <laughs> and uh, and I think that might be this year or like last year. I think Leicester might have been in the six actually, uh, but I think this year it's the the, the top six. Um, and I just, you know, I, I don't think the guy can do much more than 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 get his team creating chances. Yeah. The difficulty is we're seventh in terms of the the opportunities, uh, attempts at the goal rather, and fifteenth in terms of hitting the target. Well, there you go. And there's your problem. And I think in terms of the hitting the woodwork, I think we are fourth, uh, having hit it. 15 times this season really yeah so you know that I didn't realise that that. well there you go we're talking about fine margins again imagine those 15 7 of those 15 or 8 half of them have been a half inch and gone inside after hitting the woodwork instead of coming out you're talking very different football is a game of fine margins and that's why I can't accept the criticism or the the level of 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 stick or or and I, I I know I was criticised because I had a few people having a pop at me after the Huddersfield game where I said that I thought the crowd were were too expectant and, you know, we weren't winning at half-time and I thought it was poor that the team was booed off the pitch. Everyone's entitled to their view and they can do what they like. But but I think everyone has to recognise that nobody... This is the best league in the world. Nobody gives you anything and you have to work for everything and every point... Is hard fought and hard won, and I'm sure Steve Parrish will be sitting there thinking, near enough to 40 points, I can relax a little bit. We're probably going to be all right. It's another. Can you imagine the stress that he has to endure while he's watching the game? In the sense of that relegation would have to lose. You know, we'd lose a hundred million pounds, and you know, this is why I can't understand people sort of saying, "Oh, we'll just do this and we'll just do that. Oh, we'll put this young player in." We've got nothing to lose. Well, we have. We probably lose about two million pounds a place or whatever. Yeah. And you know we. And if you're Roy Hodgson, I'm sure he and and the coaching team would want to take Crystal Palace as high as they can. 
and we're what eight points away from what do we have 48 nine points away from our best ever finish our best ever total so yeah and and that point on on the chances obviously travis i mean Roy, mm. Roy can't be out there finishing the chances for them which i think he said after the last home game um and just on that on that point about it being boring, got a final question for part one, which I'll put to you, Travis, mm. from Peter Cowlin, Hi, Peter. who said, "Now that we are basically safe, and I'm mm. glad to see Peter agrees with me on that, um, has this been the most boring season we've ever had? And crucially, is this a good or a bad thing? Boring? I don't know. I think at home it has been it has been quite dull at times, not not seeing the goals, but in terms of." It being boring, when you sit back and you watch highlights and analyse the game, we're not playing boring football. You've had Wilf and Form at times. You've scored some wonderful goals this season. We've had a few games where we've really turned it on and there's glimpses of us playing really nice football. Like um, Selzy said, end of last season, a bit of champagne football. This yeah. season had that at times. And I've, I think this season it hasn't been boring. It's just been quite, it's been quite nice to watch a team sometimes and just go, wow, we're actually, we look like a, we look like a side that... We actually deserve to be in this league. Totally. Sometimes, in, in, totally. in term, instead of watching games, thinking, "Oh, we, we've just about got away with that." And of course, that's more exciting if you don't. You go into a game; it's going to be more boring if you go in expecting to win some games now, like we do. So, the fact that we are winning some of them, I can't say it's boring. I can just say it's quite nice. Agreed, JD. Just to put that into context, because people, Trev's talking then, but you're asking the question. People saying it's boring, and mm. you know, it's not been good. And I'll just put this into context over the over the six seasons that we've been in the league. In the Ian Holloway, Tony Pulis uh, season, we were the 20th out of 20 teams in terms of attacking and attempts at the goal. Um, were we really? Yeah. That actually, to be honest, puts the job that Pulis did well, just into showed, the context. Based on total, totally a defensive yeah. platform. But it was at the time. Winning. That was very defensive. But here's a, here's a platform for winning matches and yeah. eking out points. If, yeah. you, if you play that way... And you're very, very tight. You might win one, lose one, draw one, and take four points out of yeah, nine yeah. the way you approach it. Yeah. And that's enough to keep you in the league. And that's how Tony Pulis does it. Totally, really. yeah. So uh, the second season, Warren at Pardew, we were 14th. Pardew, third season, we were 10th. Uh, Pardew, Allardyce, 11th. Um, last season, uh, Roy with uh, four games with... Uh, Frank, Our Frank Dutch and Roy. Friend, yeah. yeah, I don't think we probably had too many attempts under him. <laughs> well, that uh, Burnley game, we had loads yeah, actually. We were seventh, and this year we're seventh. So, what I would say is that we're very, it's very easy to say, oh, what you think you see, yeah, sometimes, yeah. And, and, and what you, and, and actually what's the reality. And that's why I always go back to looking at a few facts and figures because. The numbers give you an idea. Well, were we really yeah, on yeah. top there? Well, actually, they had more shots than we did, or did we? You know, and you you then sort of look at the game and take your rose-tinted glasses off a little bit, which is something which, I have which to we do. all wear. We all, yeah, exactly. We all me, wear them. me included. Yeah. So, but I, I, I've got to say, you know, we're the seventh. We're the seventh best. You know, in terms of attempts at the goal. 15th best in terms of on target, which tells you the story of our of our forwards. Really, and we were year. at one point, the, de- the defence was the fourth or fifth I think, best I think at on one clean point, sheets, probably isn't far away either. On clean sheets, we are fourth, I think we are. Well, there you uh, go. Hang on, clean sheets, fourth in the league, which again, I think would be the best. Yeah, well, that would be the best we've ever achieved as well. And well. the thing is, I do get 
you know, why, like exactly what you say, you go to a game sometimes, you think you see what you're seeing and then you go home, read the stats and it's slightly different. I understand why fans are frustrated sometimes and feel like we should be doing better or, or maybe the goals aren't coming at home. But actually those stats you're reading me there... That sounds to me like progress. And we hear a lot about people it's, talking it's about almost, progress. It's almost a thing of like looking it's at it there. and going, um, would you rather have the exciting football, which is biting your nails for 80 minutes, and then having Balassian Zara on the wings pulling off a few tricks, winning a penalty in the last minute and winning it 1-0, or punching, scoring that goal against Norwich, just la- grasping things at the last minute. Or would you rather have a season where you're not conceding more than two goals every game, or not losing by more yeah, than yeah. two goals, and creating a load of opportunities like we are? You kind of you have to just step back and just go, actually... Yeah. We're a lot safer and a lot more sound as a club and as a team, and we're a lot more together. We've got a lot more talent on the pitch, and we can dominate games a lot more. Yeah, but that's not going to lend itself to counter-attacking football. The fact that teams are sitting back on us a bit more. We're now at that phase where we're trying to. Yeah, what's it? It's the change, the whole changing identity thing, isn't it? Yeah, but, but it, I mean but that naturally has to happen if you're going to develop into a bigger club, and you're going to have to go for this phase where you're not going to be playing the exciting, biting, you know, football. Where, uh, to be honest, it's, it isn't exciting all the time. It's exciting when it when it's exciting going when it just about pulls off exactly. But not but always. But to, to me, we talk about progress, and to me, those stats there feel like progress. And guys, speaking of progress, we're going to progress from part one. Boom. Into part two, where we got questions from our listeners. Smoother than silk. (laughs) Uh, So join us after this. Welcome back to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Whee. Pod two eighty six, sponsored by Vector Printing for your printing embroidery needs. Go to vector.co.uk. It's Vector with a K. Uh, JC and Associates. Visit jcassociateslondon.com. I will. And Eternity Home Finance, the Croydon-based family-run company providing free consultation on everything mortgage-related. Visit eternityhomefinance.com or ring them if you fancy a chat on 0330-133-0709. And guys, we've got uh, a bit of an announcement. This issue, this issue, this Saturday, issue 52 of FYP is back. Hits the streets and it's available, not literally, not Andy Street. Street. Very (laughs) aggressive. A few people queuing up (laughs) to do that already, maybe. And uh, it's available for £2 uh, around the ground uh, on Sunday, sorry, I lie, not Saturday, Sunday for playing Man City on yeah. Sunday. Um, uh, available, we'll have sellers up and down the Homesdale Road and around other parts of the ground. Um, there's lo- It's packed out, 48 pages, loads of stuff in there, some brilliant features. An interview with Gary Issett, um, which is very interesting, goes into a lot about what he does and the work he's done with youth team players over his uh, long spell at Palace. And the cover star this week, and you know that Jesse Boyce, our designer, um, does brilliant uh, cover images this week it's Vicente Guaita uh, oh and shout out as well to Tom Maslona our editor who's done a brilliant job editing this and the previous issue um, Guaita is our cover star this week and Travis on Saturday we talked about Wilf mm-hmm. but Guaita in particular put in a brilliant performance well, they, they? yeah they were camped in our, in, our, in our half for the first half and you know like you say when, when you were having uh, when we were talking about partnerships earlier the amount of defensive centre-back changes we've made this season I think the fact if you've got someone like Vicente Guaita behind you uh, centre-backs are going to be confident in front of him because he does pull off a few saves He's there's been a couple of worldies he's pulled off this season I think maybe was there one with the Rondon offside chance did he kind of spill that a little bit but there was one where he made a, a good bit double lucky, yeah. but, he, <clears throat> but he pulled off a good double save at one point I remember but having him in the team, you can just see it gives it gives all that the whole back four in front of him a lot more confidence, and that gives the whole team a lot more confidence. 
it gives the fans, I think, have a lot more confidence of him and goal as well. And it was a very, very solid performance again. He's an interesting character, isn't he, Salesy? He's very uh, confident. He's very passionate. He seems to love playing for Palace. He's the sort of guy that makes us, if a uh, save goes on a post, like the Leicester one against Vardy, will tap the post and thank the post. He's a, he's a good character. And you know, as, as well as anyone, that goalkeepers are often big characters. But he seems to fit in well at Palace. He's slightly eccentric. He yeah. was wearing a snood in training during... Uh... <laughs> During August and September, <laughs> and then then rocked up for his debut against Leicester when it was minus one, wearing a short sleeve shirt. <laughs> so I'm not quite sure what's going on there, but uh, no, I think he's been very decent. And we talked about him a bit on Saturday after the game on the pod there, and I I think overall he's been a reasonable success. Takes often goalkeepers, Spanish goalkeepers, David de Gea. I talked about, you know time to get used to the Premier League and the physicality and the speed and all those kind of things. I think we saw in the first game he nearly got caught I think by Vardy or someone and uh, he got the free kick. But again I think he's you know that's adapting to the pace. Nobody no other league will players run down every back pass like they do here and, and play with the sort of speed and tempo and and intensity that, that that we have in the Premier League, which is why it's so popular globally. Um and I think he I think he's done very well. And I think he's he's quite Speroni like actually. You know, he makes big saves when you need him to. You know, I I would say that um we can count that as a success based on the bits we've seen so far, I think. Yeah, I agree. And I feel like the number one shirt is very much his to lose almost at the moment. I wouldn't. I, Wayne has a strength over him, perhaps. Wayne kicks a ball with both feet very, very well over distance. It's a tremendous asset. But I would say to you, as a shot stopper, and that's where the points are going to be won and lost, you know, Guaita would have an edge for me, hands down. Yeah. And we have seen that in recent performances. And, and moving on then to the position just in front of him. Mm. Um, and as you said, Travis, it has switched a bit, you know, in recent weeks. Obviously, yeah. Sacco's out for the season, we believe. So um, he's not been around. Carl Hogan Carl. has messaged in and says, Is Scott Dan now behind Kelly? In the pecking order. I've I've had Scott Dan behind Kelly all season, but I know that Scott Dan's been out injured and Scott Dan before he got injured. <clears throat> Was a tremendous player. Had a season where he was the highest scoring defender, I think, was dangerous from set pieces at a time when we were setting up to win games like that. Um, but I think Martin Kelly is now a bit of more, I mean, he's slightly younger, a couple of years younger, I think. I don't know. Kelly's, yeah. it took him a while to get to centre back, Martin Kelly, but I, I do prefer Martin Kelly. But I think having four strong centre backs at the club all competing for positions and all com- willing to do a job, and I'd be quite happy lining up with. Either pairing against a team like Man City and know with someone like Guaita behind them that they'll be okay and confident and calm on the ball. And most of them are. It's, it, is, it is a position we have a lot of strength in, I think. But I would put yeah Kelly slightly higher than Dan in the pecking order. I agree with you. And the likes of Martin Kelly are never going to win player of the season. But he's ever since he's joined us, really, he's been a very reliable squad player. And in fact, actually, now, maybe squad player even sounds a little bit Harsh to a man that when he comes in always has a job. I think in the Sky first gave game. him man of the match on the weekend as well. I think he was a he had he had a very solid game. But like you said, he's one of those players that does a lot for the team. You don't necessarily notice it. Yeah, Saka's a bit more eccentric. He'll, he'll yeah. do a few things and you just go, oh, he had a good game today. But Kelly's just he's just very reliant. You don't you don't ever seem to get a six out of ten from Kelly. 
It's always seven or above. He always seems to just do the job. Yeah. I think Martin Kelly's improved, actually, a fair bit over time. I think he's becoming a little bit tougher. And that was one of the questions I would have had about him as a centre-half, whether he was really tough tough enough, you know, in that sense. And and he's become stronger and a bit more aggressive and stuff. I think that's probably the word I'm looking for. You know, he's a little bit more aggressive. Yeah. Not not in, a, in an out-of-control way. I'm just meaning in the way that he attacks the ball. And, and, you know, it's difficult because you can easily get bullied. Rondon was an absolute handful on Saturday. Oh, yeah, he was. Yeah. I mean, if Rondon Always added is, goals to his game, he would be a top six centre-forward, wouldn't he? But um, He'd be the complete forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's, he's got lots of attributes. But, again doesn't find the net enough and we're probably going to say that about nearly every striker outside of the top six clubs really and that's and that's why they command the big money and that's why the teams at the top have them but it's you know I think I think Martin would be pleased he's he's somebody you could say has progressed since he's been with us for sure yeah agreed And, and speaking of you know we touched on strikers there we had a few questions about Benteke and Batshuayi one of them comes from Typical Palace uh, typical Palace. Hi, Laurie. How you doing? <laughs> Laurie, yeah. Uh, yeah. Hi, he Laurie. says... Uh, He's a nice man. Would Ben Teke have more chance of winning a dance battle with primary school kids than scoring an actual goal? Did you guys see this video that I was released by Supermovers? Yeah, I've seen that. It's a great it. video. It's so much fun, isn't it? I doing a, um, All these kids doing a, a dance moves in front of the Homesdale and in the ground. It's loads of fun. And Ben Teke's in there with PVA and two of the girls from the Palace Ladies as well. It's a great little video. <laughs> there was some line about your keeper can't relax or something. Yeah. <laughs> that, it's great. That might get questioned under the trades descriptions <laughs> currently, but uh, you never know. But Benteke was in there, beaming smile, clearly enjoying himself. Uh, and we have had actually uh, another question from Paul HS, who says, now we're effectively safe. And again, Paul agreeing with me, great. Uh, says, uh, do we play up Benteke up front on his own as he's our own player rather than Batshuayi, who is a lone player? No, I think I think Batshuayi there's a good chance he'll be here next season because I know Chelsea have their transfer embargo, but I'm not sure that they're going to be trading too many out. And they've already got Pulisic coming in, so I I don't know if he's still going to get into their 25, which would still make it possible if we want to do it. I guess that there yeah. may be something that could be done. Um, I'd like to see Benteke and Batshuayi as a pair. With Wilf and Andros wide for the last few games, yeah, but but I'm talking as a as a fan, you know, without the responsibility that the manager's mm. got. So I, I think that's much easier to say. Probably if we did that against Manchester City on on uh, Sunday, that would be deemed almost suicidal, I would mm. guess, because we'd get so heavily outnumbered in midfield that I don't see Roy doing that. And I think I think that's the bit that. That the, the fans, perhaps where Roy's concerned, you know, the the ones that are heavily critical of him, miss the fact that that we must have some defensive uh, uh, solidity in the in even from the forward play. So he, he rarely, well, I can't remember him playing Wilf and Andros wide with two forward players at any point really he doesn't normally play with two out yeah. and out wide players does he and that's it's always Jeffrey Schlapp or 
James MacArthur goes out and, and so on. Well, they're not really wide players as such because you get the full-backs, obviously. Yeah. Narrow. Going and if they are it's wide, a very it's, it's narrow, with a one in the middle and a three. It's like an inside rail almost that yeah. Schlapp and uh, MacArthur operate in. But it, it, we haven't... What I'm saying to you is if we do play Andros Townsend, for instance, it tends to be Wilfred as one of the forward players if it's a yeah. 4-4-2. And if it's a 4-3-3, we play with two and one, and one, yeah, one yeah. forward player. So... We've never we've never actually seen Roy say, "Well, okay, there's Batchway, there's Benteke, there's Andros, there's Wilf. Let's go and have like a an go. old-fashioned nineties four-four-two, which yeah. doesn't really exist anymore." No, I mean, you know, I think it would be quite exciting from a from an attacking perspective, but I don't know that uh, Roy wouldn't be having kittens in the dugout, perhaps with the defensive element of it. So, uh, I think we have to again staying in the game. I know that. Uh, Kev was uh, hammering me last week on here for saying such things, and uh, <laughs> after I'd finished making Roy's dinner, apparently, <laughs> yeah. so uh, he enjoyed it very much. Kev, and uh, <laughs> he, 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 he thought the uh, eating mess to follow was superb as well. <laughs> <laughs> he then retired to his study to go and read books on Russian politics while, <laughs> while I cleared up. No, uh, not a joke, yeah. by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, he. I, I think you know. The defensive side of it is the platform for winning football matches, and I think that it's no good being too gung ho and being three nil down after twenty five minutes with no way back into the game. So yeah, yeah, and 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 that's and 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 again, as spectators, fans, watchers, whatever we describe ourselves as, we're not the manager. We don't have the ultimate responsibility. So it's always yeah, and he's always going to be thinking, like you say, defensively first. Yeah. Rather than chucking games away, Travis. But with that in mind, mm. Tom Halliday has said, "Now that we are safe, another person who thinks mm-hmm. we're safe, um, should Roy give Benteke and Maya game time uh, to prove that they have something to offer next season?" I- I'm not massively sure he will. Not, I'm not sure that's how Roy thinks. But you know, if, if you were Roy, would you do that? I, I if, if you're going to give players a bit of game time and try and bring them in, it's that that's the, that's what preseason's for, and that's what, that's when you give those players that, and that's when you experiment and try little things. At the end of the day, yeah. there's still there's still points to be won, there's still places that we could drop, but there's still places we could gain, and there's money involved in all of that, and you got to play to the 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 final whistle of the last game of the season, because you know you don't want to be doing what was it? Who was Sunderland got relegated and City put out a load, and they was it four one. They they got one four at the end of the season, you know. That you th- anything can happen, yeah. And you don't want to be that team that kind of tries tries new things for the last three games, and then suddenly you're thinking, oh wait, we were we were up up and around up and around twelve at one point, and now look at us, we we're now back in sixteenth again. And that's there's a lot of money in that, and also it looks good going into the next season. It gives the yeah. players a bit of confidence yeah, yeah. going into the next season, seeing that they finished at a high position they did last season necessarily. You know, all those types of things. It it all adds up. And you've got to play to, the, got to play to yeah, the final whistle of the last game of the season. There's no point, like Sony said, throwing games away or not necessarily throwing games away or just experimenting with the with the possibility of it all going wrong. And, you or, know, or giving yourself that risk. And yeah, that's the thing. Roy, is, yeah. Roy stake, does not do, make risks like that. There's too much money at stake. If we go three places, that's probably going to be, what, six, seven and a half million pounds difference to us. They could buy us another player or pay your wages of a new, new centre forward or something. Mm, you know, yeah. that... That's the difference that, that that can make. So I think the days of seeing people, uh, you know, do things, you know, on a whim or, or or romantically, if you like. I heard somebody, you know, I read a few people saying, 
oh, we might as well play Sam Woods at centre-half. We've got nothing yeah. to lose. You know, that's a big a step a for a lad who's, <laughs> yeah, who's not played at that level before. Yeah. You know, and, and a risk. And I, I think probably, you know, as a manager, you've got to answer to the to the chairman and, and everyone else in terms of the finances. So it all makes a difference. Um, and just speaking of next season then, uh, briefly, and you sort of touched on pre-season, and I very much agree, pre-season is a time that you experiment and you give young players a chance to mm. come into that first-team environment and you try things out. Um, Sue Saville Hi, Sue. says, "How are we? this is the million-dollar question, how are we going to ensure that we're not in a dogfight from the off next season? And I, I feel like I know what you're going to say and it involves signing a centre-forward. Well, there's no guarantee that we're never going to be in a dogfight because probably outside the top six, everyone else is in a race to get to 40 points yeah, first. Yeah, yeah. And once you're through that, yeah. then then it's a little different. But then we're talking about the, the cash for places and stuff. I really, I don't, there's not, there's never going to be an easy ride for us in the Premier League. And, and, and outside of probably those six clubs, there's never going to be an easy ride for anybody. There's about two teams or three teams a season that, overachieve slightly or do a little bit better than anyone except like Wolves this season Watford this season have had really good seasons but yeah. next season a couple of players could get signed they could lose one or two players yeah. and then they're back down in it again and, other, and we've seen other teams do that we were a fifth lot at Chris, well I think I think yeah ones. I think when we were promoted in 20, 2013 yeah. we? Hull were promoted with us and Cardiff neither of those teams has managed to stay in the Premier League for seven consecutive seasons, yeah. touch wood, yeah. that there's no disaster. <laughs> and that is a fair achievement. Yeah. And and again, that isn't to say that I don't want more or I'm not hoping for more, but we have to be realistic yeah. about how Leicester City won the Premier League, which gives us hope that one day Crystal Palace can win the Premier League, whether it's realistic or not. Yeah. But nobody said it was realistic for Leicester yeah, to win true. the Premier League. So we must always reach for the stars you know we, we must we want to win the I want to win the Premier League I want to win the Champions League I'll even settle for the Community Shield you know I'll take anything but, yeah yeah same but but hoping wanting and having a desire to do so is different to being realistic yeah. around our expectation you and know if, because, and if we win the Premier League and we win every game 1-0 Lucas scores a penalty in every season I won't be complaining no I'll massively no, say that. But but my point being is that where we are is not unsatisfactory yeah. based upon what we've got. And where this sort of we're underachieving, I mean, up until the transfer window and we signed back what everyone would have said our squad was woefully short in forward areas, which it was. Yeah. And yeah. Sacco and Batchwai at least gave us a, a little bit more in that department, and I felt happier as a result. And the result, although, although of, we haven't of, seen anything no, of Sacco, no, I hope maybe we'll see a little bit of him before the end of the season because I know it wasn't again universally popular. But I thought when Roy converted him into a centre forward last season, he actually did very well for us. Yeah, you know, he's powerful, he's quick, he's got a left foot like a hammer thrower. You know, it is a and he's got a beautiful smile. There you go. He's a happy fellow. <laughs> he's a good lad. Good celebrations. Let's just hope we see lots I'd, of them. I'd love to see Interesting him. boot collection. Yeah, Very yeah, interesting wow, boot yeah. collection, mm. yeah. Um, a couple couple more questions then. This one's from Nevertheless He Assisted. Okay. Any okay. thoughts on that? Hi, nevertheless He Assisted. <laughs> <laughs> Unless I've got that wrong. Um, he says, um, if we had beaten Wolves and Newcastle at home with a draw and a loss away, 
Right, so flipping the results. Yeah. Would yeah. we be happier? It's an interesting question, isn't it? It is, actually, to be honest. I think, I, the, I think the answer is that if you win more home games where most of your fans see you play, you're happy. Mm, yeah. And Roy's lost to Brighton and Hove Albion twice, which hasn't gone down very well with everybody. Yeah. And, 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 and I know I've taken a lot of stick for saying, for me... For me personally, this is, by the way, not every Crystal Palace fan. It's three points for a win, one point for a draw, no points for a defeat. Whether you're playing Man City or Brighton or Arsenal or Watford or Chelsea or Huddersfield or Newcastle. So as a football person, that's how I look at it and that's how Roy Hodgson will look at it. He won't want to lose to Brighton, but he won't want to lose to Manchester City on Sunday either. You know, so... Perhaps if we beat Manchester City on Sunday in front of our home fans, you know, then, you know, I would believe mm. that people would be happier because yeah. it, they've seen it. But I, I, I think they have to respect also that I don't. I, I'm not buying this kind of. We've served up terrible football at home. We just haven't been clear. Yeah, but you can see Travis why mm. fans would be frustrated with lack of home wins. Losing to Brighton, I do understand no, it. Of I kind of share. I share Celsius' kind of point of view mm. that a game is a game, but you can understand why some fans they want to beat Brighton. 100%. Of course, it matters to them, and you can understand why that's frustrating but to put in probably two of our most frustrating performances this season against them. Certainly away. Uh, Certainly well, away. I don't really want to have to go into them too much. <laughs> I, had, I had to get issue number two of my season to get off the Brighton game because that somehow managed to get snapped on the way home. Was that in disgust? Was I had it? to go down to the box. I was just, oh, frustration, <laughs> frustration. <laughs> it wasn't disgust, it was frustration. But yeah. um, no, of course it's going to, you know, the home wins, but at the end of the day, it's uh, it's a league. You play as many games away as you do at home. And if you're just going to look at it, it is, it's football. The players are out there to win it league if there was no fans on the pit if there was no fans in the stands and you, all you saw was just go on your phone and you can see you're playing you play the same team twice a season and you win the games it doesn't mean make it, it is frustrating if you're not seeing it at home as a fan but what would you rather your team be in the Premier League next season from being good away from home yeah. and, and being able to being able to see the likes of you know your Man United and your Liverpools and those top players and this all of the atmosphere the late night games under the lights on a Wednesday in the Premier League you wouldn't, we wouldn't get to see that unless we had good form away from home exactly. and there has been some good nights at Celeste since we've come up yeah. no, nobody There'd can deny loads. that at all nobody can deny yeah. that and there hasn't been many amazing ones this season but you know we're in the league and we're giving exactly. us giving ourselves an opportunity to, to rectify that next season Exactly. And well, guys, we've got an opportunity now to go from part two to part three, which we're oh, going to take. Smooth um, radio. Oh, no, we don't. Really quickly. Where are you? Jim's on offer here. Really quickly. I've ruined my own link there because oh, I've got one oh. question for you, Selzy, that oh, I've had God. on my notes for weeks and I keep forgetting to mention. They're not calling me any rude names, are they? No. That'll it's a, a question change. about a friend of yours and a it's from Rob James Leonard. Right. And he says, did seeing Kit Simons on the Sunderland Till I Die documentary bring back fond memories of him subbing himself to change a game during his caretaker manager days? I know you're a good friend with Kit, aren't you? Kit's a good mate of mine. Oh, really, he's a lovely fella. And uh, the Sunderland Till I Die thing actually was really interesting for me because uh, Lewis Gravan, Johnny Williams played with me and Gary in the under-18 side and Lee Camp is a goalie I deal with. Jason Steele's a goalie I deal with. Um, Martin Bain I've had some dealings with. There were so many people in it. Yeah. Cookie, Chris Coleman, that I know or have dealt with. So... Uh, yeah, I found it absolutely fascinating. And when I met Kit, actually, for lunch, he was going back to China to work just after uh, Christmas 
first couple of days of January and he'd actually not seen any of the film. So I told him he'd better get on and uh, Has he seen have it a since? look. I don't know. Oh, but, see what uh, he says. I will, I I will ask him a question. Of all the characters in it, I actually think he comes out almost one of the best of them. He's mm. so genuine, such a lovely guy. And you see that come across in the uh, in the documentary. I actually think he um, he comes out of it very, very well. Even though, of course, and I don't want to do any spoilers for anyone, but the documentary doesn't go so well for uh, Chris Coleman or for anyone, basically, mm. involved in Sunderland at the time. Uh, but it's going to go well for us right now because we're going to go from part two oh, to part three. It. He's still doing it. He, he's <laughs> where, just too good. <laughs> where we, in those uh, notes, he's got the questions. He's going to go to how he's going to move on to the next part after the answer. Every well, we'll see. Well, we'll I, we'll I, very think, much see. I think you might be a bit old for Capital or something. But maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe, maybe we can get him on smooth or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. Right, uh, part three, we're going to preview uh, Sunday's game in Man City. So, join us in a bit. Welcome back to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Whee! Pod 286, sponsored by Vector Printing. For your printing embroidery needs, go to vector.co.uk. It's Vector with okay. And JC and Associates. Visit jcassociateslondon.com. I jolly well will. Ooh. And Ooh. Eternity, Eternity Home Finance, the Croydon-based, family-run company providing a free consultation for everything mortgage-related. Visit eternityhomefinance.com or ring 0330-133-0709. We need to think of a little catchphrase thing for them, don't we? I think we do. In future weeks, we will work that out. Um, so, Man City at home on Sunday. City, of course, sells it going for the title and the Champions League, and the FA Cup. So they're fighting on three fronts. And in fact, we have them in between their Champions League uh, quarterfinal clashes against Tottenham, which they lost the first leg this week, 1-0 at the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Um, Jamie Penston-Raja says, uh, which are we more likely to get points in, Arsenal away or Man City at home? Both. (laughs) (laughs) I like the positivity. Why not? You know, it's possible. It's possible. And I think, you know, in one sense, I've said this to you before, I I don't think the fans are all in appreciation of how well organised we are and how well set up we are with Roy. And I know people would call him pragmatic, cautious, all of those kind of things. But against these next two opponents, that's going to be the only way that we're going to get a result against them. We're not going to get a result going toe-to-toe with a team that's got better players than us. We have to find a different way. And, you know, Roy did it at uh, the Etihad earlier in the season. He found a way to stop them. And I was aware that um, through some conversations that I had that Pep Guardiola privately was actually very, very complimentary of Roy. Oh, really? And he thinks that... uh, in the previous two games that we've done a hell of a job on them, you know, stopping them playing. Yeah. Which is what teams do to us too, which yeah. obviously we only look at the the opposite side and our end, but let's hope that we're able to do that very uh, diligent defensive work that, that earned us the result at Man City. And, um, you know, I'm sure... Well, let's hope it is a nervous, edgy one because that'll mean we are right in the game, you know. And uh, mm. let, okay, again, we shouldn't expect anything from the next two games, but that doesn't mean we won't do it. And, and that, I think that, we have a good chance. That is really interesting hearing that the, the Pep compliments towards Roy, mm. which almost makes me love Roy even more. Do you think Trav being in between these two Champions League ties for 
Man City is going to help us in some way, or or do they just have the squad they've, to they've deal with that anyway? Some, they've got such strength in depth that they can they can turn it on against anyone. Their players are so good, you know. You, you, the, the the players you do want to rest as well. You can you can you can bring them out playing for seventy minutes. They can run you into the ground, score a few goals, and you can bring them off anyway. I don't think Guardiola is a manager. Oh, he rotates a lot anyway. He rotates yeah. a lot anyway. So I I don't think that's going to necessarily affect them. Like you said, they're 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 a football team. They're going to want to win every game in the same way that Palace want to win every yeah. game, and they they're going for the league as well. And it gives it gives you a lot of money winning the Premier League. A lot, and you know they won it last season. It's hard to win the uh, Premier League twice on the bounce. Who is anybody done it before? Chelsea. I think it, United, it's, I think. It's difficult yeah, for people to do. Yeah. 2011 or 2012. It's, it's a difficult thing to do. It's, and I don't think it's going to make a difference at all, the fact they're in the, between two. Um, because, yeah, like I said, if you want to go for the treble, which is a <laughs> very hard thing to do, um, you've got to win every game. And they've got such strength in depth that they, they can do it. And I think, actually, when we played them a couple of seasons ago, there was they, they fielded quite a weak team and just absolutely run us into the ground 5-1. I think Fabian Delph hadn't started for yeah. weeks and weeks and weeks and he came on and just mm. scored an absolute screamer. But yeah, like so you said, you sit back. Well, that's only half half the tail done, though. Being defensively sound, you've got to hope that there's a bit of a, a weak header from a corner that somehow hits Andros Townsend's left foot from 40 <laughs> yards on the volley. You've got, got to have a bit of luck and a bit of magic there. But like we said throughout this whole podcast, we've got, we're capable of doing that. We're capable of turning it on every now and again. But yeah, it's going to be one of those... Uh, nail-biting games, I reckon. I think it's going to be a fun game, actually. But it's going to be Sunday interesting. Sunday at Stellar, and, and, you know, I know we're not mathematically safe, but I think there'll be hopefully a more air of relaxation around Selhurst, Selzy. And we have had questions about Roy's lineup, and we talked about Benteke earlier, and people have asked, will he partner Batshuayi or Benteke in the final few games? And we don't think he will, but how do you think Roy will approach this one? Very similar, I think, to the way that he's done the last two occasions. Trav mentioned Fabian Delft there, and that triggered something else that was mentioned to me in the same conversation that he'd had with somebody I know. And uh, he, I think he said to me, I'm, I'm going back a few months, but the day before we beat them at uh, at the Etihad, that, that, that uh, Guardiola had spent more time dealing with the opposition, i.e. Crystal Palace, than he'd done for any other opponent during the season. Really? So... He'll be he'll be mindful of of how difficult it's going to be against us. Touchwood. Let's hope that that we're there. But I would think Roy would probably go with a with a a four five one type shape. I would imagine with with uh, Wilf and and Andros trying to get on and four three three out of possession. Really, I would, yeah. uh, sorry, in possession rather. Yeah, uh, four five one out of possession. Um, and we've just got to make it difficult and hope, again, the moments and and perhaps the Wilfred, Andros Townsend, Mitchy Batshuayi. I mean, it might be interesting to see whether Batshuayi or Benteke is preferred because Benteke might prove a bit of an outball for us yeah. under a little bit of pressure. And aerially, that might be a, a, an opportunity for us to... To, to take some sort of advantage. but Where he is a bit stronger than yeah, Batshuayi yeah, in that regard. Yeah, but then... You know, Batshuayi can run in behind and it's got a trick. So, you know, again, what we gain on the swings, we lose on the roundabouts to a degree if you don't have a pair. But I, I'm, i you know, I, I think you know we have a chance because, you know, Roy's there and Roy will make sure that we're very well organised and very well set up. Whether it's enough and Lightning can 
strike yeah. twice. We'll see. Imagine but, that being the doing the doing the double over City mm, in a season when that, they might win the Champions League. That that would be not too bad. That'd be right, in, in a it? very disappointing, boring season <laughs> for Crystal Palace, of course. We'll take that. And by the way, the last team to win the Premier League title twice in a row was Man United ten years ago. Yeah. So it's been a long time since the team managed to do that. Um, but we will see. On Sunday, what happens? So, uh, thank you, Stelzi, for being here. Absolute pleasure as always. Travis, great to see you. Thank you very much. Two pods in a row for you as well. Yes, I know. I'm like a bus. (laughs) Nice to have a little bit of youth alongside (laughs) (laughs) Giving you for chance on the FYP podcast. Uh, Make sure you buy a copy of FYP this Sunday. £2, issue 52 from around the ground. Uh, So, that's it. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, The Extra Pod, of course, if you're a patron, will be with you straight after the game. This Sunday, you can sign up at patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast. Enjoy the rest of your week. I'm seeing you again soon. Bye. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Podcast Network.